Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans. Welcome to a new edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena, and I cover your New York Giants for The Athletic, Forbes, Inside Football, Big Blue View, and a bunch of other places. And today is Twitter Thursday, your questions and my answers. And also, we're going to have a very special guest assisting with some of the answers today. Um, I promised you guys we would devote segments to your draft related questions now as you guys know I have not yet gotten into the draft stuff the Giants keep me kind of busy um, seven days a week with covering them and keeping on top of stuff and breaking down films so I asked a good friend of mine and a very talented and -and up-and-coming draft analyst to come on the program with me who is going to help me with answering some of these questions he is Emery Hunt the CEO of Football Game Plan and terrific guy Make sure you check his work out. He does some great videos, scouting videos and interviews and whatnot on his YouTube channel. Emery, thanks so much for joining. Well, I appreciate you having me on, Pat. Always, always. All right. So, Emery, we've got a bunch of questions from Giant fans, uh, draft-related questions, some general questions. If you are ready, we'll just jump right in and get it going. Absolutely ready. Okay, so this first segment, we're going to just talk about the Giants, and then we'll save segments two and three for draft stuff. So the first question is, will uh, Jamon Brown, the new offensive lineman they just uh, picked up, be a free agent after this year? And if yes, do we have the cap space now to sign him to a three-year deal? And what would likely be the deal terms? That's from John G. Well, John G., that, that question is probably best suited for Dave Gettleman. But I will say this, when you look at guys that – are playing well, I think you want to do your best to make sure you retain them. I always felt as though the Giants shouldn't have let go um, uh, Western Richburg or DJ Fluker. I I thought those guys played well um, and should have kept those guys in the fold. But now you have another opportunity to maybe keep Brown, and you also get Jalapio back healthy next year. So the offensive line, I think, will work itself out. And I like veteran offensive linemen more so than rookies uh, because you have to get used to that, that grown man strength, we call it. Uh, so I would rather keep guys that are that have been in the system that are that are progressing in the right direction, and that therefore you can avoid the situation that happened a few years ago when you let good linemen go out the door. And I'll just add to that, John. Um, as we get a little closer to the end of the year, I am going to do a an analysis on the pending free agents, who should they keep, why should they keep them, and roughly what will their contracts look like. So that's a little bit off in the distance, but something I will definitely look at. But to echo Emery's uh, sentiments, I do believe they should try and keep Jamon Brown. I mean, a young promising offensive lineman um, they have him on an eight game addition he, one game is in the book and so far so good so if he keeps trending upwards definitely look to get him back so that you can fix that offensive line okay thank you for that question up next is Bobby C who wants to know what is the most talented Giants team that you have had the pleasure to cover wow that's a great question I would say the team two years ago I guess that's right when they went to the the playoffs uh, because in training camp, I, I noted that, man, this defense is going to be real good. Uh, you just saw how fast they were, how athletic they were. 
how versatile they were in the secondary. That's when they had uh, DRC being moved around and he was able to match up in the slot, play safety, play outside corner. Uh, and, and I was like, man, this defense looks good. And they were good that year, too. And offensively, you saw the, the talent that they had you know, across the board. And I always felt as though the running back position would be, would be the spot that holds the Giants back. Um, you kind of wish they had Saquon Barkley on that team. But, man, two years ago, I thought that was probably the best Giants team that I was able to, to be around. I agree with you. And I have to give a shout-out also to the 2008 team, which, you know, that team was amazing. I mean, up until the till Plaxico Burris unfortunately shot himself in the foot, uh, that team, you know, th- they were going places. I really believe that. And, unfortunately, you know, you had that accident and it, it didn't pan out. But uh, I would put that team a close second for sure. All right, thank you for that question. Next question is from, let's see, I did not get a name on this one. I do apologize. So whoever this is, I apologize I didn't get your name. But if we assume and think this is a safe safe assumption given dead money, that the Giants do not cut trade Eli Manning before his contract is up, do we reach for a quarterback this year, wait for the stronger quarterback class in two years, or draft a mid-rounder to compete with LaLetta? I like how he broke it down into different segments because I think this is the plan, or at least I would think this is probably the plan. If you don't view any of these quarterbacks now, we don't even know what juniors or redshirt sophomores may come out. Let's just say from a strictly senior perspective, you don't view any of these quarterbacks to be worthy of a first-round pick, just continue to make your team better. So instead of just reaching for a quarterback for the sake of taking a quarterback high, no, take a guy that you feel as though is the best player available that can help you out whether that's an offensive lineman whether that's nick bosa uh the defensive end from ohio state or, or another defensive lineman that can really affect the quarterback and uh, get pressure on the, on a qb take that guy before you reach on a quarterback that may not be better than kyle loletta i think one of the strategies that you may see the giants think about or incorporate hey if we're going to move on from eli let's bring in one of these veterans that are that are solid and perhaps roll with that until we deem a guy in the draft that is worthy of our long-term investment. So you may see a Jacoby Brissett. You may see even them look at a guy that's a young player that's still a franchise player, in my opinion, and Jameis Winston that can still do a lot of great things in this league from the quarterback perspective. And so you don't necessarily have to reach for a quarterback because the masses are calling for you to draft one high. Uh, we saw that happen to teams before when you draft a quarterback for the sake of drafting one in the first round. Um, I think it was the 2012 draft when all those busts went in the first round. Uh, your Tanny Hills, your uh, Christian Ponders. You don't take quarterbacks just for the sake of taking one in the first round. So the Giants have some options. I think the best option is if you don't see the guy that you want, that it, you know that you see fit to be the, the leader of the, the team for a decade plus, then Make your team better as a whole. So that way, when you do get a guy that could step in and um, take over the the reins to the franchise, there is a team in place that could help make his job easier. And along those lines, Emery, we got a question from Dave N. who wants to know, he says, I'm a believer in Teddy Bridgewater as a young quarterback with upside. And he doesn't know the economics, but can Bridgewater be signed if they are still paying Eli Manning, or is it cost prohibited? And uh, he also opines that, you know, it's better to select an edge rusher like Bosa or a left tackle with the first two picks rather than to take a quarterback uh, as a reach. So the question basically, you know, do you think Bridgewater is in the, could be in the picture? If the Saints are dumb enough to let him walk out the door, absolutely. 
because it, 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 I just find it interesting that a lot of people are suggesting Teddy Bridgewater as if the Saints didn't give up a third-round pick for his services and also as if the Saints have a 28-year-old Breeze at quarterback. No, Breeze is about to be 40, and they have a guy that's just like Drew Breeze as far as accuracy is concerned. He's been a playoff quarterback, a rookie of the year, and the Saints got him for a third-round pick with the, the opportunity to negotiate his contract. If they are dumb enough to let him go via free agency and walk out that door, the Giants – have their franchise quarterback right there waiting for him in Teddy Bridgewater. I was actually surprised that they didn't make a move for him when he was on the market with the New York Jets. I thought that would have been the perfect fit, considering that you have a head coach and Pat Sherman to have worked with him. We were there at practice, Pat, when somebody brought up Teddy Bridgewater. He kind of went on a rant about how great of a person and how don't count Teddy out uh, is. And he kind of went on and on to where you kind of thought like, you know what? Maybe they may be in play for Bridgewater or try to make a move to bring him in. Uh, so this would be an ideal fit for him. But I, I would be it would shock me to, to see the Saints allow your potential heir apparent to leave out the door for the bag of goodies which are in the draft. Yeah, I agree. That that's a good point. You know, a lot of people overlook the fact that the tra- that the Saints gave up high draft capital to get Bridgewater. So that's a very good point there. Okay, um, John S wants to know after the three twelve and one debacle in eighty three, Parcells resolved to do things his way following the season, and we all know the results. If you're Pat Shermer, what significant changes would you make to the way you do things after what I expect will be a two to four win season? Man, I, I would think for I think Sherman is doing a really good job, to be honest. Um, I think he gets a lot of flack uh, it's because of the because of the record. And to use a Parcells quote, you are what your record says you are. But, you know, we've seen a team in practice. We know their limitations. We kind of knew their limitations going into the regular season. So we expected this not this bad of a team, but we expected them to not be competing for the division. So I think he's right along schedule. I, I think what, what has to happen um, this year, you know, moving forward or for its next season, they have to get better in the secondary. I think that's going to be priority number one. I think also the every, you know the offensive line is an ongoing thing, but I think you get some guys back healthy. You also have some guys in place that are playing well. They're playing a little bit better. Um, and I, I still believe that if you have a guy that's able to evade pressure a little bit better, uh, the offensive line would be a, a non-issue. So I just think the biggest issue for the Giants – uh, probably is on the defensive side of the ball. I think they can use another inside linebacker. They also can use a, a lot of corners, and they just don't have the overall depth at, at corner or at safety. So I think he's probably going to attack this offseason uh, more so on the defensive side than opposed to the offensive side. I, I think a lot of people will be shocked, but that's exactly where they should go because, to me, that's where the biggest issue is right now with this football team. Agree, agree. Okay, a uh, couple more on this segment. S. Micah wants to know, given the state of the Browns coaching staff, is it worth perhaps putting out feelers for Miles Garrett and Baker Mayfield when the trade window opens again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, good luck, you know, unless you want to give up half the stadium and, and you know, you, the logos and the team colors in order to get like a Miles Garrett or somebody like that. It, the Browns would be dumb to, to make that move or even entertain those calls. That's like calling the Patriots and asking for Tom Brady, you know? So um, they just got Mayfield there. Uh, Garrett is a guy that has been playing well for them. And I think they're looking at them as two building blocks to what they want to do. So I, I don't even think those are on the market. Now, if you want to go get Emmanuel Agba 
or someone like that, then they'll listen to what you want to talk about. But I think, you know, those guys are probably uh, untouchable. I would agree. I would agree. Not to mention, I don't think there's enough one, number one draft picks to take. <laughs> <laughs> Not unless you want to mortgage your future for the next 20 years. But, okay, final question in this segment. If Dave Gettleman knew back in January that this was a multi-year rebuild, why would you take a running back at number two? How does a running back help with a multi-year rebuild? Why trade then for Ogletree and restructure both he and Jenkins? And why pay Solder a four-year deal? Well, I think he always thought this was a rebuild. Um, you know, in a di- you want to win while you're rebuilding. That's the that's the, the ticket. And you want to continue to stockpile your team with talent. I just talked about it earlier. And when you look at Saquon Barkley, I mean, this dude is on pace for a thousand, a thousand season. That's that's remarkable. That's that's getting a lot of return on your investment in number two. And if people want, I think, and I don't know for sure. So I have to preface it by saying this, but I do believe. If the Ravens wouldn't have jumped back into the first round, the Giants were going to walk away with Saquon Barkley and Lamar Jackson in round two. And that would have solved their offensive issues. They would have been able to get the guy they wanted, Barkley, the best player in the draft, and also, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the draft in Jackson to groom and get used to this system and be ready to take over when Eli walks away without incident. And therefore, you could have your cake and eat it, too. So I think that's why you take Barkley number one or two, because you want to get a guy that's that's a ready made player. You want to get NFL ready players. And if we look around the league at these rookie quarterbacks that are starting, Darno is struggling. Rosen looks overmatched on the NFL field. Josh Allen probably shouldn't have been a first round pick. And Baker Mayfield is just starting to play some good football, and he's still taking sacks. You, you see what I'm saying? So it's not like the guy that they would have taken at two um, would have been better than what they're showing, you know, right now. So I understand why they took the running back because that guy is a difference maker. Now, you don't take non-difference makers in the top five. You go back and look at the running backs taken in the top five of history, you know, 80% of them are Hall of Famers. So we're getting good return on the investment if you're thinking in terms of Dave Gettleman. As far as the offensive lineman, yes, the solder pick, the solder uh, signing kind of looks a little bit of, of a, a whiff, but that's what happens when you are so bad up front. You have to overpay for guys that may not be worth that that signing. However, uh, the fact that they are are still out there actively getting guys in and may have stumbled upon a guy in uh, Brown to, that could be a, 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 of help. You also have guys that you've developed all season. We saw Wheeler get in there and play well against the Texans. Um, he's been one that they've groomed a, a little bit more. So there, there's options to, to have success along the offensive line. I think you're going to see them get vets while also bringing guys in that they can groom and teach, um, which is the best way possible to, to help strengthen your offensive line. So I think what they've done going in, knowing it was going to be a complete rebuild. And if you look at what they've done in the offseason or during the season, moving Snacks Harrison, uh, moving Eli Apple, to me, that tells you, that tells me where they're planning to uh, focus on first uh, when you talk about the draft and free agency. Because think about this. You lose Snacks Harrison, who was, was probably the rock of that defensive front seven. Now you look toward this draft. You got Nick Bosa. You got Ed Oliver, you got Quentin Williams, you got some dogs that can easily be a guy that can be a foundation piece on your defensive front seven. So you got to pay attention to the keys and, and the, the movement that has been going on, and it lets you know where they're probably headed. 
All right, you're listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trana and special guest Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan. We're going to take a short break, come back, and we're going to answer more questions on Twitter Thursday. Stay with us. The Locked On Podcast Network is doing unprecedented things on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, follow Locked On NFL Net to get all the latest breaking news and game highlights from the Locked On Podcast Network NFL hosts all on one convenient feed. On Instagram, Locked On NFL Net gives you the biggest stories, including audio cuts as provided by the various Locked On NFL team hosts. Make sure you follow Locked On NFL Net on both Twitter and Instagram to get your daily fill of the NFL. Welcome back, Giant fans. Patricia Trena, along with special guest Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan. This is Locked on Giants, covering your New York Giants, your team every day. And we are on a Twitter Thursday, and we've got a bunch of great questions still ahead. I want to thank everybody for sending in questions. Some of them uh, overlap or duplicates of some of the others that we've received. So we're going to try and get through as many of these as we can over the next couple of segments. All right, so Emery, let's turn our attention now to the draft questions. Um We've got a question from, let's see, uh, John Spielman wants to know what the offensive line position looks like and if they're, uh, if it comes down to a stud offensive lineman or stud edge rusher with the first pick, which would the Giants be better off doing at this point? I like how he, he uh, gave you two options because that's how you're supposed to look at it. And for me, it's all about can you score and can you take the ball away? And if you are a, if you're the Giants, you look at okay, we got can we score? We got probably I would say arguably the best receiving core in the NFC East. You look in the backfield, you have a good running back in Saquon Barkley. You have a good tight end in Evan Ingram that's going to be healthy. Hopefully that's going to be helpful, healthy. So you look at okay, we can score. Can we take the ball away? And I think that leads me to believe you look at the defensive line. So. For me, it would be about guys like Nick Bosa, maybe a Christian Wilkins um, out of uh, Clemson. You look at Montez Sweat, a defensive end, Zach Allen. Those guys, all of these guys that can really affect the game, can take the ball away. That's what you want. Maybe you don't want to take a cornerback that high unless he really can score. But I like DeAndre Baker out of Georgia. Now, on the offensive line, I think you could find good, solid guards. I, I really like the guard class. Chris Lindstrom is one of my favorite prospects in the draft because, you know, this is a guy we, we used to do a high school recruiting show where we had high school prospects send us their film and we break down their film strengths and weaknesses live on the air. And one of the kids that sent it in um, was Chris Lindstrom. And he was, a, you know, a, a tall guy, but he was about 250 pounds. And he was asking us questions of where he, where can he get better? And, you know, how how can he improve his game? So we gave some tidbits and we was like, listen, if a coach can take a chance on you um, and, you know, really develop you, you're going to be a good player because you got all the technical skill. You just have to add weight, which essentially will come because you're going to be able to eat three meals a day in college and, and have the, the benefit of a weight program. By that time, he was you know, he was getting recruited. But toward the end of his senior season, he was highly recruited and got had a scholarship to Boston College. Fast forward four years and he has become one of the best linemen in college football and is one of the top guards, per- perhaps a first round pick. Um, now he's six, three, three, 10. So he put on weight, good weight 
and I was able to go to the Clemson, not Clemson, the Boston College. Uh, I forgot who they played. Uh, oh, Miami game. And he was going up against another top prospect and uh, Gerald, Gerald Ford, I believe, or Gerald, I forgot his name. I'm, I'm all over the place. But the kid out of Miami, uh, Gerald Willis, the third, um, that was the big matchup. That's best versus best. And to be quite honest, he won that battle 95% of the night. So he's a guy that I would say, yes, that can help out your your because your interior offensive line has to be key. That's where you, you really have to protect the quarterback, guards in a guard. Um, and I think that's more important than offensive tackles. Tackles you can get around with if you have a, a decent quarterback that's just going to step up in the pocket. But he can't step up if guys are in his face. So if you build that that guards in a guard strong, um, you're going to be fine. So I would say I would probably look more defense front seven as opposed to offensive line early uh, if I'm the Giants. But it's a really good guard class. There's some good tackles, but for the most part, um, the front seven, DNs and defensive tackles is, is where you can make your money at this this draft. All right. And that actually covered a question that uh, Giant Dreamer asked about where the, the, the draft had its strength. Um, all right. Staying along the line of uh, defensive guys, Rich wants to know how much of a concern is Nick Bosa's injury and will it cost him a chance at being the first overall pick? Possibly, um, because it's a sports hernia, in my opinion. I think it's a sports hernia, even though they just said uh, lower body or um, uh, abdomen, abdomen or maybe lower back issue or something like that. They did, they was really they were really vague about the specific of the injury, but when they described it to me, it sounded like a sports hernia. So he still has time to get healthy for the combine so we'll see there if if he checks out medically and yes those questions can always knock a guy down a peg but when you're that highly touted of a prospect i doubt it goes that far um so the giants depending on where they go or how many games they win i think they should be safe if as long as they don't get out of the top eight you know the top eight gives you a little room to move up if half if you have to 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 take a guy high um, but at the rate that the Raiders are going, they they may end up having the first, second, and third pick in the draft, you know, <laughs> with, with those three first-round picks. But all jokes aside, I think if you're at eight, preferably you shouldn't get lower than five. Um, that's where you – that's probably the floor of, of Bosa. Okay. All right. Um, Neil B. would like to know, how would you compare Justin Herbert to last year's quarterback draft class, most especially Sam Darnold, who, and he's assuming here, the Giants would have picked as quarterback? I think Darnold is better. You know, Darnold can overcome mistakes. Uh, he's a really good athlete. You know, he, he still has upside. He was the youngest quarterback to, you know, taken in this draft class. So, I still think he would have been a higher bet, a higher graded prospect than Herbert. To me, Herbert is like Ryan Tannehill. When you watch him play, just from a not when you put the scouting scope on him, but when you watch him play just in passing and just watching the game, there's nothing about his game that wows you. And you know, you just kind of say, okay, yeah, he's a good good player. But do you take a good player in the first round or do you want a difference maker? A guy that wows you, a guy that can make you stand up out of your seat and, and be, you know, surprised at what he did. I think Herbert is just an average player or average prospect. To me, the best quarterback, um, draft-eligible quarterback, is Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State, the redshirt sophomore. 
When you talk about accuracy at all three levels, deep, intermediate, short, there's no one better in the country than Haskins and what he's able to do. And the problem that Haskins has is uh, when Urban Meyer came back to take over the, the, the team, he is so married to his system and wanting to make the quarterback run a heavy part, and that's not even Haskins' game. Haskins is more of the pocket passer. He wants to run the run the ball with him, and he doesn't call the certain plays that the first guy did, um, the, the guy that was the interim head coach, did in the beginning of the season where Haskins was just lighting up the competition, throwing the football at a high clip. And I think that may draw him to, to uh, push him to, to declare early. Um, but if he stays, he's going to probably end up splitting time with Tate Martell, who's more of a runner than the passer, and Haskins is by far the best pure passer in college football. So if he comes out, to me, that would be the guy that would supersede taking a defensive lineman or offensive lineman high because Haskins is that guy throwing the football. All right, and along those lines, he a uh, second question from Neil wants to know how Will, Will Greer stacks up to Justin Herbert. If you like Baker Mayfield, you like Will Greer because they're the same guy, same prospect, same player. Um, I'm that's why I'm shocked that Greer is not getting the same level of hype that Mayfield uh, gets. And, and you know, Greer has the same limitations that Mayfield has. And so I, I was shocked to see Mayfield go number one overall because prior to coming into the season, he was a third round talent. And he has this Heisman season and he goes from third round to number one overall. Greer plays the same weight, same arm, same uh, moxie, and plays in a, a, a similar style system as Mayfield did. And so I think Greer, to me, I, I like Greer's ability to be a gamer more so than Herbert. I think Herbert, everything has to be perfect for him to, to be good. Um, Greer is the type that can do a lot off script um, and shows a little bit of that quote-unquote it factor that that they talk about. A guy that's going to, you know, overcome mistakes. A guy that's going to do a great job and doing what he can to make sure his team wins. And you saw that against the against the Texas Longhorns this season. So, I like Will Greer more than I like Justin Herbert. Mm, interesting, interesting. Okay, so you're listening to Locked On Giants, Patricia Trena with uh, Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan. It is a Twitter Thursday, and we will come. We're going to take a short break, then come back and answer more of your questions specific to the draft. So stay with us. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trena here with Emery Hunt, special guest. He's from Football Game Plan. You're going to want to check out his work. He'll tell you at the end of the show where you can find it. Really good stuff. Uh, also, great answers so far to your questions, and we're going to continue with just a few more. And uh, let's start off with Thomas Amato, who wants to know, given Dave Gettleman's history of not trading down if the Giants land in the top three, and if there isn't a quarterback worthy of that pick, then what do you put the chances of them staying and drafting versus trading down? I think we as outsiders look at trading down as in, you know, it's easy to do, but you, it takes two to tango and three to jump rope. So if you're going to trade down, you have to have willing partners and it has to have great value. So let's say you take trading down out the wind, out, you know, off the table. And if they want to, uh, the guy that they want is not there or quarterback, what have you want to stay there. There's a, a good chance you could take someone at a position, uh, that's still a premium position, so to speak, 
and have an impact. We've seen teams do this before where you just keep drafting good players to where whatever you decide to, to settle in on a quarterback or a guy that's, that's decent enough, um, he's going to walk into a, an easy uh, turnkey offense and turnkey football team. So you want to, there's no downside to adding good players. I'm going to never argue, um, let's say, for a GM to, okay, he passed on Will Greer, but he took Nick Bosa. You should have taken Will Greer. No, you take Nick Bosa. Like that, that's easy. Give me the best players all the time. You know, that's what I want. And I would take best before I take pretty good. And so if you have a chance to take the best at a position, especially the position that you may need, take the best. Don't settle for just this guy. I saw this argument the other day, folks talking about uh, Nick Chubb and, oh, see, look, you got, look, look, he ran, he had a 92 yard touchdown run. Um, he's, you know, he's getting just the amount of yards as, as Barkley, and he started less games. Like, yeah, that's that's great. All fine and dandy. But, and Nick Chubb is a good running back. But if I had a chance to take the best running back, I'm taking the best running back regardless. And when you look at the production of, of Barkley, when you add in his receiving yards and his threat to score on any given play, whether it's a run play or a pass play, yes, I'm taking Barkley 10 times out of 10 and twice on Sundays. Okay. All right. Uh, more questions about the quarterback. This is from Brian Morgan, who wants to know, after the Oregon quarterback, Justin Herbert, what quarterbacks are worthy of a number one, uh, of a, sorry, of a first-round draft pick? Whew. You know, and it's, it's the, I blame the media for this, not like the, the, the major media. Let's say the, the big networks, right? Because they put this guy's name out there and they kept saying it to where people just automatically assume that that's the best guy because they heard it a lot. When when you watch him play, you kind of just walk away kind of average. So I don't even think Herbert is a first round pick, um, you know, as far as talent is concerned. So I, I really think when you just look at the seniors, I don't see any first round talent at quarterback. I see guys you could take in the second round and, and you know, you can have success. But if you're taking a guy in the second round, you might as well keep Kyle Loletta, right? So if you look at from a, you know, when you spread out all the talent and you look at, okay, where are the first round talents? And you, by the time you get to quarterback, you're probably at 45 or something like that, right? And you say, okay, that's, if you extrapolate that to draft slots, that's middle to second round. So I think that's where this class is. There are no first round senior quarterbacks, in my opinion. Now, I don't want to get into the, like the juniors and retro sophomores because they still haven't declared. But from the guys that we do know that's in the draft, these seniors, I wouldn't take any of them in the first round. And they're going. some will go in the first round because of the quarterback tax that people have to pay. Um, but you want to take a guy high to get the fifth-year option, get it. I understand it. I don't like it. Uh because you might as well take a, a guy that can help you right now, and that's actually a first-round talent. So I think you know it, this will be the year where the seniors are not worthy of first-round grades. Wow! So, so it sounds like the uh, juniors and the sop- the the redshirt eligible sophomores are, are going to save this class. Would you say easily? And if and if you're a junior and you're getting good reviews from the NFL. Um, advisory committee. This is the year where you take the leap and jump. And and it's every year it's it's different by position. Like if you have a, a a talented senior running back class and you're a junior running back, stay in school. 
if you have if you look at this class from a quarterback perspective, you know, you probably want to stay. You probably want to leave if you're a junior, if you're a super talented junior that's getting a good review, um, a top three grade review, because this senior class, there's there's good players. There's no great players. And that's the difference between, in my opinion, at least between first round talent and guys, guys you could win with and guys you can't win without. Interesting, interesting. Um, let's see. Continuing on with the draft questions. What would be – all right, this this is kind of a open-ended question, but uh, what would be – and this is from Neil – wants to know, what would be the ideal draft so far for the Giants since the team has so many holes? Yeah, I like how you added that. They do have a lot of holes. And mm-hmm. if I had to pick in, in order, I would go defensive end or edge rusher. I like Lorenzo Carter, and he's going to get better as a as a as a pass rusher. He talked about this at the combine when I asked him a question about what's part what part of his game is underrated. And he was like, "I don't think people think I could rush the passer because I wasn't asked to do that at Georgia." So we've seen the last couple of weeks him get a lot better as far as just getting after the quarterback because he has a lot of length and he's a really good athlete. He's very good versus the run too. So opposite of him. I think you have Olivier Vernon, but I, I do like Vernon. I like his demeanor. I, I like his leadership, but he has been a bit of a liability as far as health is concerned. So maybe you want to get someone that can really affect the pocket, Nick Bosa, or let's say you want to replace a guy like Snacks Harrison, and you look at maybe some guys that, that will come out. We know Ed Oliver announced that he's going to come out in the spring. He announced that he was declaring for the draft uh, before his, se- his junior season even started. Uh, so that would be a player that you could look at and say, hey, you know what? We can get better up front, a guy that can get pressure. You don't have to be big space either to be a disruptive force in a 3-4 defense. So Ed Oliver would be a target. I would I would look at there first. Then I would just look at the cornerback position. Um, you know, even though I like uh, Jack Rabbit, I, I think he may be, they may move on from him. You look at who's out there at cornerback. DeAndre Baker out of Georgia is a really good one. Um, if, he, if you're not taking Bosa or one of those guys early, which you probably should because the front end helps out the back end, unless you're just a premier talent at corner that can really constantly take the ball away. I would go, you know, Baker, Michael Jackson, I saw play live uh, against Boston College. He's the corner from Miami. Um, I think they have a a chance to to go there as far as attacking. And if you look at safety, let's say free safety, guys that that are just super smart players, there's no real premier free safety elite talents there so you probably move on you look at maybe a guy that can match up i like juan thornhill um out of virginia you know he's a guy that can play that move piece kind of in a similar role of landon collins but he gives you some depth there uh, so i would say you probably want to go d line was dn edge rusher defensive tackle mike backer tavon coney of notre dame is another guy that can go alongside bj goodson i think goodson is the one you keep i think you gotta find a way to move on from ogletree i've never thought ogletree was the difference maker um is a little bit of a liability in pass coverage and i think that's where you would probably want to move on from but there are a bunch of guys that are that are really good at inside linebacker that can cover and also be a factor versus the run and then I would just probably go on the offense side, find some some guys that played a lot of football in college, some senior offensive linemen to build depth that we can still develop um, in that case before I move on to, you know, look at the quarterback position. I still think if you don't trust an elite talent, if there's no elite talent there at the position, don't take a quarterback. Build your defense up with depth and impact players, and the offense will figure itself out because Giants don't need a receiver. They don't need a tight end. 
they don't need a running back. And they have some pieces, some building blocks along the offensive line already. So contrary to popular belief, they're in good shape on that side of the ball. Defense is where they have to get significantly better and deeper. And I think that's where you can see a lot of the focus going in the draft. Okay. Okay. A couple more. Uh, Maya has, all right, let me see if I can consolidate this question because it's kind of lengthy. Uh, The Giants will probably be making some roster moves, cutting some big contracts like Janoris Jenkins, Olivier Vernon, Eli Manning, Alec Ogletree. Every time a contract is cut, however, it creates a hole. If you were Dave Gettleman, based on the draft class, which contracts do you maybe live with another year versus which ones do you absolutely get rid of? You know, that that, that puts you in a tough spot because you're calling for somebody to get fired, right? Um, mm. Yeah, and I, I, I don't want to play that game. But I will say this. I'll put it to you this way. I'm addressing inside linebacker. I'm addressing cornerback multiple times. And I'm also addressing perhaps uh, the offensive line. Let's say – you know, I, I love Will Hernandez. I love Jamon Brown, what he put on tape this one week. And, and Chad Wheeler is going to get better. And he proved that at least he has the want to. You know, and that's something that you can't coach, the want to. But I'm definitely looking at edge rusher, inside backer, defensive line. I know they signed, uh, you know, they have Dalvin Thomas and B.J. Hill, two good building blocks. And we still have to wait and see what they get out of R.J. McIntosh, the rookie they drafted in the fifth round. But I do – I would focus on – D-line, edge rusher, inside backer, cornerback in that order. Okay. And then last question uh, of Twitter Thursday involves Landon Collins. Is he the answer at inside linebacker instead of Ogletree? Would you franchise him or would you let him walk given his problems in coverage? No, I I would franchise him and try to work out a long-term deal. You want to keep good players. And and Collins, is he's a factor because – he is a guy that that can do multiple things. And if you're versatile, you're valuable. I think when people look at Landon Collins this year, uh, they're grading him under the same scope that what they graded him as a rookie. Uh, you know, when he had the breakout season a year ago and two years ago, what have you, he had protection because they had DRC that they could move around, which allowed Landon Collins to be moved around. So now you don't have that trust of a guy at free safety uh, that you that knows that he that knows what he's doing in coverage you're asking Collins to do more of coverage as opposed to being the move piece that's a very good blitzer that's a guy that's a factor versus the run that can cover in a short intermediate area but not deeper down the field I think that's where he's best suited and in order for that to happen they have to get better at free safety and a little bit more versatile at corner if they can find a guy that you know, can come in and play corner both outside and inside. Um, maybe a guy that can also moonlight as a free safety to where that, you know, he can stay disciplined and not take the cheese and always give up a deep ball because he's flying upfield to help out on a shorter route. I think if they can get better at free safety, that's going to help out Landon Collins. So I would keep him because, in my opinion, he's a he's a cornerstone piece on your defense. All right. Sounds good. Some really good stuff there, Emery. Well, I, there were some great questions. Talk about a knowledgeable fan base. My goodness. 
I know, I know. I'm very fortunate. I have I have a fantastic listening audience. They, you know, some regulars who often, you know, every week they have some great questions. So I was really glad to to have you on to be able to answer some of these draft questions because I felt bad. I couldn't I couldn't really answer them with any kind of degree of intelligence, having not done any of the work on the draft class. I mean, I I don't start till January myself. So yeah, I, I mean, I. I don't blame. I don't start till February or really late January when I go on my or January when I go on my college scouting stuff. Because during the season, I'm, you know, every Saturday I'm I'm broadcasting a college game, and so I can speak to the the teams that I have seen live play. Uh, but I always keep a passing view of of college football and seeing what's going on. And you know, so when you look when you really get into it, and and like we will in January and February when we start to put out grades and film and stuff like that. Uh, then we'll have a a, a more, uh, I guess, a definitive view of of who can play, and where they can play, and and where you should take them, and things of that nature. Uh, but right now, it's just about just a good general overview. So I'm glad to to help with that as, as you know, anytime. Uh, appreciate it. Tell all the folks where they can find your fantastic work. Well, they can find me on Twitter at fballgameplan. Our website, footballgameplan.com, and our YouTube channel, which is constantly being updated with our video content, go to youtube.com slash footballgameplan. And if you're a college football fanatic, uh, like you should be, you could check me out this Saturday. I'll be the color analyst for the Georgetown Holy Cross game on the Patriot League Network down in D.C. So you can check me out there. And then Sunday, I'll be at the Giants-Bucks game, I believe. They, They do play Bucks, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, they played everything just starts to run together for me. <laughs> so they could be playing Georgetown for all I care. So, but yeah, I'll be there Sunday, um, and I'll have my post game recap and things like that. But that's where you can follow me on social media. And uh, I, of course, will see you on Sunday at the Bucks game. Emery, thank you so much for taking so much time to answer all these questions. Always a pleasure to have you on. Giant fans, make sure you stay with us this week. I'm working on trying to get a a guest for Friday's show. I don't want to say who it is just yet because I'm still kind of working on it. Hopefully I'll be able to secure this person, have him come on and talk to you a little bit about himself and and football. Appreciate you listening as always. Uh, Have a great rest of the day and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Take care.